Um, <clears throat> last week when we were together, we were sharing from Acts 15. We're still in Acts 15. It's a pretty big chapter, um, some neat things to get through. They, they came to Jerusalem with this big burden on their heart, and really the end of it is the burden has been relieved, and the burden is, you know what, be followers of Jesus in, in everything you do. And that was a great conclusion for the church to kind of come to. Um, but, the, but then they, they have this sense of, okay, there's an urgency, there's this really great need, and that is for people in the known world to know about Jesus. So I'm wondering if you guys can help me with a song. <clears throat> when you feel like you know this song, you can join in. Uh, the first word, uh, two words are, hi-ho, it's off to work we go. And I don't remember the rest, but it's talking about digging in the mine for diamonds, and they dig all day long, and they sing their little song, and they dig for gold. Because, And thank you, by the way. Apparently, Disney is a part of your family group, and you like that because almost all of you joined in on the Seven Dwarfs song. So good job. Thank you. The people in Acts are really pointed. I mean, they are, they are so on focus with the ministry that needs to take place. They have the council in Jerusalem. They talk about things. They talk about big things as far as doctrine is concerned. They talk about the future of the church. And really the mission is they're still going out and proclaiming the good news about Jesus. So on, on every Sabbath, they're in the synagogues and they're talking about it. The report that they gave was pretty incredible. It was a, it was a really a great report of what God was doing among the Gentiles. So the church is is focused, and they're on mission, and they're on point, and they're following the Holy Spirit, and they're doing everything they're supposed to be doing as a church and a part of the body of Christ. Um, so maybe that would be a good introduction. Let's pray, and then we'll, we'll get into the text. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for um, funny videos that are really probably true to life for a lot of us. Thank you for the moms in our life, uh, moms that have been faithful followers of yours, and instilled that in their children. Uh, Father, that's a great gift, and we're just grateful that we can share together and, and honor moms and applaud them and, and just uh, tell them again and again how much we love them. Father, you love us even more than that, and you've given us a great purpose. You've given us a calling. You've sent your spirit. You've given us your word. You've blessed us with the gift of your son. Father, you've enabled us to fellowship together and to share a like precious faith, and we're glad for that. Father, thank you for uh, the grace that we see in Scripture, the grace that we've received in our life. And Father, thank you again for salvation through your Son, Jesus. It's in his name that we ask and pray these things. Amen. Acts 15, 22. Um, they write the letter, they conspire the letter, they send it out. And the, the really cool thing about the letter is the churches, and especially the Gentile believers, are really glad about it. They're like, yes, we're affirmed in the faith and we're going to continue to grow. And even the big issue that was for the council in Jerusalem, it's not even included in the letter. It's not. The, the whole circumcision, because they realize it's a circumcision of the heart. It's a changing of the heart. And so for the Gentile believers, they're like, yes, thank you, God. We're glad that you're working in our lives. Um, so they present letters. They they. They have this ministry, and they're writing it, and they're talking about it. Um, here's, here's how it unfolds in after the letter. Verse 30. The men were set off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered together the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. That's the Gentile folks. That's people who were 
they maybe felt like they were on the fringe of what God was doing, but there's affirmation and confirmation in Jerusalem with James and Peter and Paul and Barnabas, and there's this conversation, and the conversation is, God will be moving in your heart and moving you into a relationship with Christ. And I'm really glad that when they read the letter and heard the contents of it, those believers that felt like they were on the outside were realizing we're a part of the in-group. We're a part of who belongs to Christ. And it doesn't matter where they came from. It doesn't matter that, that they're um, Jewish or not. Salvation is for the whole world. I mean, that's what Peter talked about last week when he said, hey, God gave me this message and I talked to the Gentiles already and because of the message, they've come to understand repentance and salvation through Christ and nothing else. So they're really working and active, and then they're really to to put their hands back to the plow and return to the work. It's kind of interesting that the gentleman who wrote the commentary that that uh, I like to use that Kelly let me share in, he talked about vacations. Anybody got one planned already for the summer? Yeah, probably some of you. Vacations were not a biblical concept. Taking a vacation happened a lot later. And do you know why? It was a money problem. They didn't have a whole lot of money. Every day was, was survival, and they had to go and get crops, and they had to buy food. and They didn't have time for vacation. They didn't have resources for vacations. Now, the only exception would be the wealthy at this point in time in Bible times. They would have had maybe access to do it, but not, not the common person didn't have vacation. And sometimes we get in the mentality of, well, I've, I've served Jesus, and I've, I've taught Sunday school for nine months. I'm ready for a break. Well, that just may be okay if you honestly really need that, but I think when we say yes, it needs to be a yes that has some really stick-to-itiveness and, and that kind of depth behind it. And the early church was really practicing that. So you have Paul and Barnabas. You have guys that are willing to go out and to revisit. Um, and I won't steal or I'll, I'll try not to steal any of Kelly's thunder. He's going to be speaking next week on this conflict that happens. But before that, there's this energy still. There's this sending out and going out and being obedient and following God's call and doing exactly what they were called to do. No questions asked, ready to put their feet to the ground, marching orders were in hand, and they're changing the world for Christ. Can I remind you of something? Bless you. Can I, can I remind you of something? We're supposed to be doing the same thing. The church hasn't changed. Our focal point hasn't changed. We're still supposed to be reaching lost people and making a difference in their life and telling them about the gospel and sharing with them the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. This church knew that. And, man, they're going. They're, they're ready to go. So people rejoiced in the message. They were encouraged by it. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the brothers. After spending time there, they went off by the brothers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. There's a whole lot of stuff going on in this early church. They are just on it. And Paul and Barnabas are ready for the mission. They've come back to Jerusalem and they said, hey, I just want to remind you God's doing good things already in the lives of Gentile people. They're coming to know Jesus. They're having the same spirit that we have. Let's rejoice together. And in the council at Jerusalem, they get it right. They get it figured out. They realize that God is at work and in doing incredible things, and they're willing to put their stamp of approval on it and say, yes, let's continue to go. So again, you have Paul and you have Barnabas, and they're just kind of literally chomping at the bit. We want to keep on telling people about Jesus. We want to let the people know of salvation. We want to share with them what we've already heard. And, and part of their plan is, at least for a little bit, to go back and revisit those churches that they've already been to. 
you know what? Great idea. For these, these young first missionaries, they've already done a good work, and Paul says, let's go and make sure that they're doing good things and they're strong. I think it was part of his kind of thought process later on when Timothy goes to churches and Paul says, find, find leadership, find elders, find people who are willing to invest in the lives of other people. So it's an incredible journey and it's powerful in that they're connected and driven. They're on task. And, and I still like the whole idea that when they're together, they're talking about it. They're talking about salvation. They're meeting in the synagogues. They have this time of discussion. And I don't know how long it took. The scripture doesn't tell us. There's no indication that I found how long they were in Jerusalem, but it says they stayed there for a while. But I don't know how long the, the discussion took place. There's all kinds of people that gave their thoughts and opinions and everybody that was pretty important shared in the mix of things and conversations. And then the whole big issue, again, that they came to Jerusalem with wasn't even included in the encouraging letter. But by the letter, by the way, they were encouraged. They were like, yes, confirmation. We belong to Jesus. We're connected to him. Um, verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns that we preach the word of God and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John. That's going to be the part that, that I'll leave there. But you know what? They're on the point. They're willing to say, God has invested in our life. God has changed our life. It's by the gospel. And these people are out there getting it. And they're telling people. And they're excited about it. And there's this, again, they're just driven by, you know what? We've started this good work. We're going to complete it. And I think that's later on when Paul writes to Timothy, I, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. Paul had this drive and desire to do exactly what God had called him to do. Question, do you have that same drive? Hope so. Can I give you a, a little, I don't know what this is called. Maybe an illustration, but I think it's something better or different. Um, a nail has one point. Do you? A nail is worthless unless it's driven. The same would be true with us. We have to be driven. We have to be connected to what God's purpose is in our life. And for these kind people, it was awesome. It was going out and telling them and reaffirming again, here are our churches, here are our people, here are our places. This is going to be powerful. We want to share this message. There's this, this intense drive and purpose. They're willing to say, we're going to be obedient to God. Yes, we'll have time for conversations in Jerusalem. It was a big issue, and then the Holy Spirit kind of convinced them all no, that issue that you thought was so big isn't big at all. It's God showing up and saying, will you be my people? Will you be led by my spirit? Will you be connected to the word? Will you be connected to ministry that's related to Jesus Christ and his message being told around the world? Now, their answer was a resounding yes. You know what our answer should be? A resounding yes. We have a message that will still transform the lives of people. Sometimes we have a difficult time in how we get that message across and what methods we use. Because can I tell you something? The message has never changed. The methods we use to reach people and to influence them and to share with them about who Jesus is, and that's us building relationships and saying, how can I help you see this? How can I help you open up your eyes and your heart to the gospel? You know who does that for us? Not a council, not the church, but the Holy Spirit working in your life and in mine moving us and driving us and allowing us to put our our resources to a good work. 
talents and abilities that you have, God's calling on your life, you being a spokesman, going out and finding people that are lost. When I was listening earlier this week, uh, part of my um, part of my Bible reading, listening, however you want to call it, uh, it was the parable of Jesus telling the the owner of the house tells his servant, you know what, my banquet's ready. Invite the people that have been invited. Tell them to come. Master, the servant replies, they have all been invited, and they're not coming. And the master of that banquet, the master of the house said, then go out in the alleyways, go out in the streets, and invite the poor, invite the people that have nothing, invite them to come. And the master, the servant says to his master, Master, I've already done that, and there's still room in your banqueting hall. We still have a message of salvation to transform the lives of people. And you and I are a part of that message as we share with our friends. And again, it's the illustration of the farmer going out to the field and sowing the seed. I don't know when somebody's going to say yes to Jesus. I don't know when God's going to unlock somebody's heart and allow them to have you speak to them about the truth about who Jesus is and the power and the transformation of the gospel. I don't know, but I know that we're supposed to be faithful in that journey. We're supposed to have a dogged determination like they did in the church of Jerusalem, the early church and the believers around the world, and that is who Jesus is and what he can do. Here's something that I want you to think about. I didn't come up with this list, but I like it. And this is a list of five things that, that at least one commentator feels like happened in Jerusalem. I mean, really, I think it's a neat thing for us to think about because when we have conversations connected to Scripture, connected to God and how he's working, the results should probably look like this. Five things happened at least in this council at Jerusalem, the first one. The gospel of the divine grace was reaffirmed. The Gentile believers said, you know what, I'm going to follow that. That's a great thing. That grace has been reaffirmed. The unity of the church was safeguarded. Because apparently the council in Jerusalem could have come down and said, you know, this whole circum... They're right, the circumcision, obey the whole law. No, Paul said it's not following the law that will save anyone. It's Jesus Christ. And I'm really grateful the church backed up the doctrine and said, yep, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. How about number three? The evangelism of the Gentiles could proceed without hindrance. Most of Paul's churches were founded after the council, and they were Gentile churches. And again, I find that wonderful and powerful at the same time that that Paul is used by God to reach the Gentile believers. Paul is so Jewish, it's not even funny. But you know what? He doesn't regard that as anything great or special or wonderful as a part of his calling to follow Christ. Sorry about that. Paul said, you know what? It, it's, it's about Jesus and him alone. So evangelism was there, and the Gentiles were reached, and Paul's efforts were to the Gentiles. Number four that happens really in this council is this. The Gentile churches that had already been established were given encouragement. That's even later on in Acts chapter 16. But because of the result of the council and these people talking and really talking about serious doctrinal issues, the church is strengthened. And number five, the future of the church as a whole was guaranteed. And of those five things on this short little list, wouldn't it be good that every time we have conversations about godly things, maybe those five things were done as we had our own little councils. We had our own conversations. Wouldn't it be good that the church was strengthened or that the gospel of divine grace was was um, reaffirmed? The unity of the church was safeguarded. The future of the church as a whole was guaranteed. 
those would be great things. What a neat thing for us to aspire to, to have that same kind of connecting point that I think happened in, in the Council of Jerusalem. I mean, th there's this wonderful reassurgence of this message is important and reaching the lost is absolutely essential. We need to be moved by that still today. Yes, it's, it is difficult, and there are more people now that seem to be rejecting God, rejecting the gospel, rejecting Christ than there have been before. It's prophesied in Scripture. We were told that was going to happen. We were told that there are going to be few that follow in the way of, that leads to life, and many who follow in the way that leads to destruction. It's like a no-brainer. But you know what? As the church, as God's people, moved by marching orders that he gave us, we need to continue to move forward and make a difference and impact the world. And maybe it's through something simple like uh, the little bottles we just distributed, Change for Life. Maybe it's just being mindful of our neighbors and where they're at and what they might need and having a relationship with them and doing something for them that maybe you wouldn't have thought of until God shows up in your life and gives you that little nudge that says, you know what, here's how you can serve people around you. Because we're still supposed to make a difference. We're still supposed to have an impact on the world. And trust me, when the church in Jerusalem got together, put their heads and their hearts in the right place, great things happened. They said, yes, Lord, we want to be obedient. We want to continue to walk in the truth. So then Paul and Barnabas are sent out again for a second missionary journey. To reaffirm and to confirm again in those churches that have already been established, hey, you know what? Keep on growing in God's grace. Abstain from these things, but keep on growing in God's plan for your life. That's awesome. What a great message. No wonder the church was encouraged by that. No wonder when the Gentile believers heard that, they were like, okay, good, we're going to keep on going. So church, you and I need to keep on going. End times are coming. Church will survive. If you're standing with Jesus, you too will also survive. You'll make it. We can't be defeated. We're not going to be outdone by Satan. Well, he's going to try, and he'll try his best to trip us up and he'll work on that every day. But when you and I are standing on the rock of Jesus Christ and salvation in his name, we cannot be shaken. We will not be shaken. That's a great message, church. That's a message that will continue to change your life and mine and other people who are outside of the church wanting to have access to come in. And maybe they're just waiting for you to give them that invitation to say, hey, you know what? Let me tell you about my friend Jesus. Good. Keep doing that. Because it is a message that will change the world. It changed your life. It changed mine. It's going to change other people's lives as we tell God's story. Let's pray. Father, um, you're at work doing great things among your church. I am so glad the gates of hell will not and cannot prevail against it. That we are a stronghold. That we're standing on the foundation of Christ Jesus. Father, we're standing on the foundation of your word implanted into our hearts. You've called us to do specific ministry and tasks. Father, strengthen our hands. Sometimes they're weak. Strengthen our resolve and our desire. Sometimes we lose focus. Father, I'm so glad that the um, early church had things figured out and they were on point and they had a message that did and is continuing to transform the world. Father, that would be one person, one believer at a time. Thank you for that impact that you have in our life. Thank you for the grace that we have through your son, Jesus. Father, thank you for continuing to work changes in our life to bring us to a place where we're supposed to be. 
Father, open our eyes, pry into our hearts. Sometimes we're callous to you. But Father, I pray in Jesus' name you'll continue to move in this church where we're supposed to be. I ask that only because I can in Christ's name. Amen.